Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We have been studying the book of Proverbs since the beginning of last June. Actually, we started it the last Sunday of May of last year. And so we are kind of, the plane is starting to come down, okay? But this is kind of like landing a plane for me sometimes. It's kind of like, I don't do well. I'm either, you're either, boom, and down. That's usually how my messages end. But usually a series is kind of like, I don't know how to end this thing. And so this is like coming into Atlanta, you know? And so, you know, we're, we're approaching Atlanta 45 minutes later. We're getting close to landing now, you know? And so, anyways, we're in the approach. We're in that pattern right now. And um, we have been, as we've gone through this, we have begun with our introduction. We've considered the fear, the possession, propagation, portrait, pursuit, path. We are currently in the pearls of wisdom. I'll talk about that in a moment. But Lord willing, what I think, how this is going to play out, how I think this will play out, which means it probably won't, but this is what I think, um, is that we're going to be beginning a, a new sub-series today on pearls of communication even though it's not going to show that on the next slide. That's kind of come within the last 48 hours. A lot of this was done before Marsha got back so that I would have time to focus on Marsha. But in the last 48, 72 hours, the Lord kind of coagulated a lot of this for me. And so so then we're going to, Lord willing, end on the last Sunday of February with the perpetuity of wisdom, the perpetuity of wisdom. And uh, no, I wasn't researching out there looking for another P. It just kind of happened. And I was like, this must be a God thing when it ended with a P. So, um, but anyways, the, the perpetuity of wisdom. But going in then to the pearls, um, the last couple of weeks, um, we looked at um, the righteous um, versus the wicked, if you would. And we looked at, for three weeks, we considered um, what, how many, the vast multitudes of Proverbs there are regarding the righteous in um, how we're supposed to, how they're supposed to affect us. In the last two weeks, um, we focused on those regarding the family. And so first we considered the parental relationship, uh, the marital relationship. And then last week, we considered specifically the parental relationship between those Proverbs that deal with the parents and those Proverbs that deal with the children. This, I thought I was going into, and ultimately I am, um, going into pearls on communication. But then as I began to study uh, this, and as I began to meditate on it, I just kept being moved toward contentions. And, um, and so, and you'll see how that plays out. Just, it's not just on that. But, but then, again, over the last 48, 72 hours, the Lord just kind of said, no, no, it, it really is pearls on communication. Today, you're just going to deal with the contentious part of communication because sadly as we come out of family probably the areas that we struggle with the most are communication and it's most visible when it's contentious and so when we went through those on the marital relationship clearly there are the couple of verses that we lumped together, the negative side for the wife, right? That it's better to dwell on the corner of the roof than in a house with a contentious woman, okay? And so, um, so there's all this about the contentious woman. But, you know, there is so much in Proverbs. And you have the sheet, if you got it, with all, again, the verses, okay? So that was back there on that, the, as you came in on the table, you can grab that, and you'll have all the verses that I have. In fact, on there, it has my outline with it, and so you can have that. I just have learned over the last couple of weeks to, you know, stop people from cheating on my words, and so I, I put blanks on that, too, for you. Mine has the words, though. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, that's the teacher in me coming. I realized the kids were cheating, and I, they, they were looking at the back of the page for the answers, and anyways, they weren't listening, and so anyways, just joking, but anyways. But I did kind of gauge that one and said, ah, I'm going to start putting blanks in there and see how many people get frustrated at me. So, um, so anyways, so that's where we're going to head today. We're going to, we're going to be looking at this concept of contentions, okay? And um, I want to start with this verse that I believe is just really is the one that just started this whole process for me. That um, it's been 
um, a powerful verse for me over the years. I wish that I could tell you again that I had learned this and I have applied it and I've got this thing down so pat. I got the verse down pat. It's the application of the verse that really is a struggle for me. And so the beginning of strife is like what? The releasing of water. So what? So stop it! So stop the flow before a quarrel starts, or if you would, breaks out. I liken this picture to like the dam, an earthen dam. Water starts going over the earthen dam. That's not a good moment. I mean, if you've ever looked at floods and that kind of stuff, and if you've got an earthen dam near you, it's not a good moment when water starts flowing over an earthen dam. What begins to happen? Erosion. Erosion. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I heard, heard you. But technically, erosion, right? Erosion happens, and then erosion means it's starting to wash away. That's a problem. Generally, it doesn't wash away evenly, does it? What generally happens? Good job. That's exactly right. It finds a, a weak spot. And once it finds that weak spot, what happens? There becomes a what? A breach. A breach. And then the torrent. That's exactly right. The breach happens. And do you realize, honestly, let's be straight as we go into this thing, every single one of us got a weak spot. You probably got more than one. <laughs> but, you know, let's just be nice and say we only have one, right? And do you realize that Satan studies you? I mean, may not probably study you. I mean, I always feel like I, he's probably not worrying about me. He probably has one of his lower minions saying, <laughs> you can take care of him, okay? But the reality is that there, there is this battle that we're fighting, even though we don't see it. There's a spiritual war. We wrestle not against what? flesh and blood but i feel like i'm wrestling against flesh and blood sometimes don't i and i'm not trying to pick on my wife but you got it i mean you you're in your homes and 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 so so you get it when you're fighting and you're looking at your spouse your husband your wife whatever you're not thinking to yourself well i certainly can't stand that demon that's behind you right at this moment you're not thinking that what you're thinking is woman or husband or child or father anyways whatever it is we put a flesh and blood picture to the battle and forget the fact that there really is a war behind the war. If every day was a beautiful day and there wasn't storms going on, would the earthen dam have any issues? No, not at all. When do you start getting worried when you have an earthen dam? big storms. It's not even just a small storm. I mean, you're right, a flood, okay? But it's not the small storm. I mean, you can deal with, you know, like over the last 24 hours or whatever, we had the kind of sprinkling thing going on, and, you know, you're not kind of sweating that one. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know, you may even go out and fish in it, you know? But if it's a torrential downpour, and they're calling for eight inches of rain, right, you're starting to what? Starting to worry. You'd be concerned a little bit, especially if you're living where? downstream that's exactly right i mean those people who live down on the river below the the dam and you know really they, they correct me if i'm wrong here but i didn't they build like the the dam thurman lake dam on like a fault yeah yeah exactly yeah so i mean i don't know i don't wouldn't want to be living like along the river below there you know we've had tremors here and there i just can't imagine there being a nice big tremor and Anyways, well, you know, it go fast, right? You just, so you have a nice little boat ride. And anyways, so, but this is the, this is the, the verse we want to think about. So in this, there are, you saw, colorized three words. Those are the words that really we're going to be, we're going to be looking at. And so the first word, Madan, literally means a contest or a quarrel. Literally, again, it's Madan, I think it is. Anyways, but it's with the, this contest. And the idea of it is, is like what we're going to have a, a game and we're going to play the game. And generally, everybody, most people, plays the game to what? To win. I mean, even if you're like me, I don't care if I lose. But if I'm going to play the game, I'm going to play the game to win. Sad thing is, though, when I get into a quarrel, it's hard for me not to play the game to 
win. And that tends to be a pride problem that we all struggle with. And so, so this word strife literally is this contest. We see it again in Philippians chapter 2. Not the Hebrew word, but the same contest or same context. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. And so the reality is this strife happens when I am prideful and I am considering myself what? Higher than you. Whether my, my thought processes, whether my value, whatever it is, that I am lifting myself up and I'm, I am unwilling to yield at that moment. So strife. And then we have this word contention, which is a personal or legal contest, controversy, or cause. Literally like the word cause, that's really the idea that's in there. You have a cause. And so because of your cause, you're willing to become um, committed to the cause. And so, uh, and I think this in our country today, politically, there are those who are willing to start um, getting involved with uprisings because of their cause. And so contentions, if you would, begin because people are defending, if you would, or positioning themselves in their cause. So I have this cause, which then puts me into the what? Contest. Okay? And so we then the last word is quarrel. It looks like gala. That's not kind of the gala that we think of when we think of this, right? But it literally means to be obstinate. Now, doesn't that play out when you get into a... <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the verbal contest using... No, no, you're good. Okay? Then it... I mean, what's one of the, the new terms we use about verbal blank when you're, when you're, when you're talking to somebody? Um, verbal blank. Judo. Verbal judo. I never heard that before a couple of years ago. And um, I think the twins were in classes or whatever. Say again? They use that in their training, verbal judo. Because when they have to deal with, so look at Hunter, you probably deal with verbal judo a lot when you're dealing with people as you go talk to them and they... Convincing people to do things that they don't want to do. Yes. And so we, we tend to do that. We tend to get into this verbal judo thing. And I have learned over the years that in my pride, and this is being straight, it's easy for me to mince people's words up um, and find their flaws in what they say and make fun of it. Ha ha ha, just joking. But that's rude. And, and really... At that moment, I am contesting what's going on. And they may be gracious and, and, and just not say anything, but my attitude, the Lord just showed me that my attitude stunk in all that and that I needed to stop doing it. Now, I can't tell you. I've done that. I mean, I'm trying, okay? So feel free. If, if I feel free, if, I, if you say something and I parse up your words or whatever to say, uh, did you need to do that? That would be good for me to hear, okay? I mean, so I'm just being honest with you, okay? That um, people are like, oh, how do you say that? I mean, it's like, I don't care. I mean, I, you know, the reality is I'm not perfect. And so we got to admit our what? Our faults, our weaknesses, okay? Um, you guys can help me with that to, to become more Christ-like in that because I don't think Jesus just kind of sat there and mixed, you know, minced people's words up, okay? So this is it. So we got this beginning of strife. Now, God is really working on me in this message because you know when I like to do my, my points, right? My points are concise, usually one word, maybe two words, whatever. But if you look at the sermon note sheet, you don't have that. You got three questions. And I couldn't figure out, I mean, I do have my three I words, but I didn't like them, okay? And so first of all, the question is, why is this important? This is my introduction. But I've already had my introduction. Now we're in the instruction part of my message. So how can I have an introduction within my instruction? Anyways, this is a perplexing moment for Bob when he comes to it with his outline, you know? But, but why is this important? Well, first of all, because of the unity of the church. Jesus said in John 13, verses 34 to 35, that a new commandment I give to you, that you what? You love, love one another as I have loved you. Okay? So there's a comparative thing going on here, right? That you also love one another by this what? All will know. By this, 
all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the world looks in and they see churches fighting, dividing, splitting, going outside the church, talking bad about one another. By this, all the world will know what? Well, I mean, if you take this and you look at that, you got to say, by this, all the world will know what? You're not my disciples. So I, I find this is very important. Unity, the unity of the church is extremely important. Jesus prayed for it in John 17. This is his high priestly prayer for his disciples that he says, and I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to jump down to verse 20, okay? But you can read it all in context. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Aren't you glad that the apostles continue to proclaim the truth? We're living example, testimonies of it, right? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you see a theme here? Jesus wants what? Unity. Why, though? Not just to reflect him, but why? So that others will come to know him. It is bigger than us. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me winning the contest. You get it? It's bigger than me having to be the center of the show. This is about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of family Bible. Not the kingdom of Bob. Put your own name in there. What am I doing, or what am I not doing, in order to benefit the kingdom of God? And draw people to him. Are there things that are going on in my life, in my home, in our church, that would detract from people? Now, they may not like everything about me, personality-wise, whatever. But are there things? So, specifically, in this, am I being contentious? And unloving? unloving, And are those things then drawing people, keeping people away from, from Christ? And so this morning we'd had communion. And so this is in the same context of Paul's discussion of communion. And he says, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions, schisms among you. And in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you that those who are approved or genuine may be what? recognized do you know what happens when contentions begin division but those who are really christ's will ultimately stand out they're going to be peacemakers we're going to see that word that verse in just a little bit that's exactly right their desire is going to continually seek to have unity not at the expense of truth but potentially at the expense of the most, their own self and their own opinions. Because they recognize that they are meaningless and their opinions are meaningless when it's in com- contrast and comparison to the kingdom of God and his will. So, secondly, the harmony of the home. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with striving, with strife. That's our word, causes. Okay, Reeve, remember? That was the word for a cause. And so, um, again, many times in a home, it all starts because somebody has a, a cause. A, no, no, you're good. A righteous, in their own mind, a righteous cause. Think about it. How many of you really would start a burr in your house just because you wanted to? Normally, you start the burr because you think you have a what? A righteous cause. It's right. It's, this, is, this is a right cause. And so I have this righteous cause, so therefore I'm willing to what? Stake my claim and put my foot down, draw the line in the sand, whichever word picture you want to put there. Um, this is it. This is the hill I'm going to die on. I mean, you guys get it, right? And so, yeah, my, that one, no, no, no. But this one, ah, this is it, my righteous cause. And so better is a dry morsel with quietness 
than a house full of feasting where there is contentions, striving. So the question then has to come is, who would do such a thing? Who would want to bring contentions into their home or into the body of Christ? So Proverbs is very nice to give us the answer to that question. Okay? So I'm just, I'm not, again, not coming up with this. I'm just kind of coalescing the different verses into what God told us through Solomon and the others who wrote. So Proverbs 18, verse 6. These are all coming from Proverbs, so open up your Bible. You can turn to Proverbs 18. Unless you grab the, that verse sheet, then you can cheat like I am. Okay? Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7. A fool's lips enter into contention. That's our word for a cause. In his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the sneer of his soul. So, who would do such a thing? A fool. A foolish person. God says it's a foolish person who's going to do such a thing. They're not considering the what? The end result. They're only looking at the moment. It's really the idea that's going on here. They're not thinking about, where is this going to take me? Because generally, um, well, let me just go this way. One of the greatest pieces of wisdom I ever heard, well, take that in context, um, in the addiction realm, came from an unbeliever at the VA, and I was at somebody's graduation, um, and this guy was um, sharing a little bit of tidbit for these individuals who were graduating from this addiction thing. And he said, when the video starts to play out of all the fun that you had, don't stop it in the middle. Let the video play out all the way. When the video of all the fun you had starts playing, don't stop the video. Let it play out all the way. You're shaking your head, Zach. You get it, right? Because, yeah, sin is pleasurable, what? For a season, for the moment. That's exactly right. But afterwards, the wages of sin is what? Death. Do you really believe it? I mean, that's what it is. But again, I, Steve, I loved your, the beginning part of the, the communion devotional about how Jesus suffered the temptation. And that we can suffer. We suffer. Oh, and we suffer. But there comes a point where we what? We give in. I don't want to suffer that much. And so, so there's, a, there's this part, and that's what God's working in us to help us to grow stronger and stronger and stronger so you've got to have greater and greater weights on there. But the reality is that Jesus never what? He never gave in, okay? He always remembered, as we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, the joy that was waiting for him. We have to remember. We have to think. So who would do such a thing? First of all, a fool. Second of all, a prideful person. Proverbs 18. Still there. Verse 1, though. A man who isolates himself. Now, I've struggled with this one, okay? I almost didn't want to put this one in here, okay? A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages, that's our word, gala, so he quarrels against all wise judgment. Now, you say, why'd you put yourself in there? Well, introverts tend to be this way. Introverts tend to pull themselves away from everybody else. And so then they tend to have their conversations with me, myself, and I. And as long as the three of us are in agreement, then it must be right. Because in, the, in the, the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth will be established, right? So me, myself, and I all, all agreed on this one, and so therefore it must be true, okay? And so what happens is you convince yourself self-talk is very important, okay? And so Philippians chapter 4 says, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, be of good report, virtue, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Self-thought is very important. But be careful of what you are allowing yourself to what? Think on. You've got to think on the things that are true and honest and just and pure. But it's important for us to then to have um, wisdom and, and counsel as well. But a person who isolates himself seeks his own what? Desire. He's prideful. And so I've got to re- always remind myself of that, that I am a prideful individual. 
And if I think that I don't need to talk to somebody else to get their wisdom, then I'm really thinking pretty highly of myself. Proverbs 28, verse 25. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, a contest. But he who trusts in Yahweh will be what? Prospered. So, he was of a proud heart, wanting to get his own way all the time, his own thoughts. He's always going to be stirring up contests. But, one who's trusting in Yahweh will be prospered. So, how does that contrast play out? If I feel like I've always got to put out my opinion and make them understand my opinion, what am I not doing? I'm not trusting Yahweh. I don't trust that Yahweh's really going to handle this. So think Joseph. Kids. Kids club, right? We've been talking about Joseph a lot. Did he struggle? Did he, did he fight against um, Potiphar? Did he fight against the, 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 the warden? He didn't. He didn't strive. He didn't have contention. The only thing we ever see him do is ask the butler when he goes to, before the, the Pharaoh to remember him. But he's continually accepting the fact that God is in charge. In fact, when his brothers come back to him and they lie about, well, you know, before dad died, dad said to tell you that you're supposed to forgive us. They lied. He didn't say to them, you're a bunch of liars. If dad really would have said that, he would have talked to me. But he's gracious. And he says to him, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Jacob, yeah. In Laban. Laban. Yeah, Laban, Laban was greedy. Good. And Jacob was being rich. Yeah, good. Good, Joey. That's exactly right. And so we have this whole thing. And so do I trust? Now, the other side is, i just throw that in, that Jacob really wasn't trusting Yahweh either. He was trying to play the game with the, the sugar canes and all that kind of stuff. But, but agree with you that God was still blessing him. Do I trust that God can work even in contentious situations? I don't have to always give my opinion on everything. I got to pick and choose the what? The battle, the moments. Do I really need to state something? So, I mean, I'm honest. So when David's leading, I really honestly, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but I honestly try, or Steve's leading or whatever, Chuck, you know, I honestly try not to open my mouth up because I know that Bob can become overwhelming and, 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 and take over the show. Is that right, Steve? You've seen that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, it's okay. I get it. I mean, I talked to Matt about that. We're having a men's Bible study on Monday nights, and so someone else is going to be leading tomorrow night. And I told him, I'm purposely, I am going to sit there as mute as I can be because I know it's, it's so... Inside of me, there's going to be turmoil, I'm sure, at some points, okay? But it doesn't matter. I, you know, the ninth of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. And the hardest place to control is my what? My tongue. That's exactly, you know? And so, yeah. So anyways, so he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in Yahweh will be prospered. Proverbs 13, verse 10. By pride comes nothing but strife. It's another word, matzah meaning the same, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 21, verse 23 and 24. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Well, that would be good. A proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. He acts with Arrogant pride. I would translate that as prideful rage or prideful wrath. What happens when you get into a a contest, a verbal contest, a conversation, a debate? Just a a little misunderstanding and, and you're discussing it. But you start to realize that your position is a little bit faulty. Otherwise known as you're starting to lose the battle. You're starting to lose the contest. But we want to state it that way. 
what begins to happen? You get angry, you get louder, you start, or changing the subjects, or, you know, or whatever. Pick, pick a battle that you feel like you can get, but you're going to do it with a great deal of emphasis. Yes, not anger, not rage, it's not wrath. It's this emphasis. I am letting you know that this is extremely important at this moment. If it wasn't important, I wouldn't raise my voice. Volume, yes, volume is... These words are all important words to memorize in order that it, you can absolve yourself of all sin. I mean, that, it, real, I mean I, I'm joking. Yeah, tongue-in-cheek. But we do this. We want to, oh, I'm not sinning. Yes, you are. It's really okay. If you're bringing contention and it's not really for a righteous cause, then it's pride. What kind of person would do that? Hmm, a foolish, prideful person so far. Well, then we have Proverbs 22, verse 10. Cast out the scoffer. <laughs> and contention, we'll, see, we'll leave. That's our word, again, for um, the battling. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. So cast out the scoffer. That scoffer is the prideful person. And, and contention will, will leave. So we've got a foolish, prideful person who is what? Worthless. This is our word, Belial. If you remember, we had a whole message on the worthless person. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing on worthless person, other than a couple of verses here that show that this worthless person, this son of Belial, of worthlessness, is going to cause contentions. Proverbs 6, verse 12 to 15. A worthless person, the Belial, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eye. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. That's our word, Madon, again. He has this contention. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. He doesn't see it. He's evil. He's wicked. He's always thinking about his, himself. Okay, And so this is playing out. Proverbs 16, verse 27. An ungodly man, that's our son of Belial again, digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best friends. Now, I find the Belial, beginning of verse 27, the perverse man, beginning of verse 28, and then whisperer at the end of verse 28, to be synonymous, that he's... That in my mind, in this context, it's the same individual. Because the, the, the worthless man is doing what? What's he doing? Well, he's trying to make things worse, but what's he doing specifically? He's going to try to win, but what's he doing specifically? He's digging things up. He's taking an effort to go find things. Do you get it? He's digging it up. It's not sitting there to be found or to just, you just see it. But I'm going to go find it. It's like what the press does to destroy somebody's character. Because everybody's got a skeleton in their closet someplace. All we got to do is dig deep enough, far enough until we what? We find it. And then we smear them. We expose it. And that's biblical. Because the light exposes the darkness. And so we are just being righteous in this. We're exposing this, this evil, this wickedness that this individual was seeking to hide all this time. And I am just the servant of God. Yes. And I'm, I'm just, no! I mean, there's a time and a place. But the reality is most of us dig up the past. When I do marital counseling, I talk about stink bombs. You got a bag. And in this little satchel that's kind of hung to your, to your um, belt, I call it the stink bomb bag. You're just kind of hanging around. It's like grenades, you know? Because as the, the, um, the conversation is going on and you begin to lose, it's kind of like the prideful individual we just talked about, and you've you got to do something, right? So what do you do? You reach into the bag of the past, and you throw the stink bomb out. Because now everything is focused on the stench of the past. You did this. It doesn't matter what's going on right now and what we're just trying to deal with. You did this. 
So the worthless individual, he digs up the past. He is spending time to dig up evil. It is on his lips like a burning fire. That's the whisperer. So now you think you think maybe think at home, but bring this into the church. I've lived this out. I had open letters written against me in the previous church I was at. I had people go through messages to find doctrinal points that they didn't agree with and write letters. I get it. But I also openly admitted that I was on the other side of that. I talked to people about issues behind the scenes, and I shouldn't have done that. That was sin on my part. But when you dig in to try to find something that you can pin on somebody, you're trying to bring what? Division. And that is unbiblical. Proverbs 26, verse 20 22. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. That kind of makes sense, right? And where there is no what? Tailbearer. That's the same word as whisperer from the previous verse. Where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood is to fire, so is a contentious, same word as strife earlier, man to kindle strife, but this word is the word reeve, cause. The words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles. They go down into the inmost body. How does this start playing out? Generally in a church. Behind the scenes. And again, I, this, I don't, I, all I can do is give an illustration from my past. I remember one, a year after I became the senior pastor of um, the previous church that I was at, one year afterwards, um, there was an issue, and I called an older deacon um, at the time for some co- comfort, some encouragement. Um, because, man, I was like, it took me out of just, just, I just couldn't deal with it. You know, I was like, it's awful, you know. And so I called, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I knew about that. You what? In fact, we were going to talk about that at the deacons meeting on, on Monday. Now, back at that time, I was the only pastor, and I had my deacons. That was the, the makeup of the church, okay? And I, I say that because that was the mindset. They were, okay? And so, and so all of a sudden, um, there was going to be this meeting, and they were going to be talking about me. But I had no clue. What was going on? And so, anyways, we, we talked more, and we had a, a meeting on Sunday night, me and this guy, and I, I'll just put it short. Anyways, but what but boggled my brain was, at that moment, and, and some of you were have been there, but I'm going to point you out, Brian. You weren't a deacon yet, so it's not, you're not there. Okay? So if anybody knows that Brian was a deacon, it has nothing to do with Brian. But... I was told five out of seven wanted my resignation, wanted my head. Okay? And we were leaving from this little powwow, me and this guy, to go have communion. And I led communion. And four of my deacons would serve the table, would, would, would serve communion. And I'm, that, my devotional that day was on the cross and the suffering of Christ. And I just started bawling my eyes out. And... Nobody knew what I was even thinking about. But I was thinking, what a farce. What a farce. I got four up here. Five want my head. My best odds are two of these that I thought were my friends. Got a knife in my back. And I'm like, how do we even play this thing out? It was the worst communion I ever had. Worst communion that I ever participated in. I made a vow I never want to do that again. You guys, Jimmy said earlier at the beginning of the service how much he loves you guys. You don't get how exciting this, this assembly is to me. We worship, and this is family. And again, I don't understand what it's like in other churches out there because I've been sheltered from the perspective I've been a pastor, right? But I do get the difference of two assemblies and focuses. And, and I don't mean that to be down on the other assembly other than where it went. And I just want to caution you. It all starts with a tailbearer. It all starts with a tailbearer. Someone comes in 
and they start to just, behind the scenes, don't allow it to occur. Because where there is no wood, the fire will go out. Okay? And if we are serving the Lord, and if God is doing something, what can you expect? Satan's going to fight against it. And God will allow it. Again, he can't do anything unless God allows. But God clearly allows there to be that. And we have got to be of the mind and remembrance that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But, but Satan would love to destroy what God is doing in our midst as well. So, who would do such a thing? A foolish, prideful, worthless person who is full of wrath. Proverbs 15, verse 8, 18. A wrathful, and literally the word chema means hot or heated. A hot or heated man. A wrathful man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger, I love this. It's, again, the word anger there is the word af, which is really the nose. Or so if you would put it, the slowing of the flaring of the nose. So he who is slow to flare his nose, his nostrils, allays contention. Okay? So, a wrathful man is going to stir it up. But one who is slow to flare his nose, his nostrils, will allay them, will stop the contention. So, we need that. We need to have these peacemakers, right? So, Proverbs 29, verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in what? Transgression. So if you are struggling, if you struggle with anger, and I've shared that in the past, okay, that I know that that was an area, and I'm not saying I'm totally over that, okay, but I'm not as bad today as I was in my earlier days of, in Christ, okay? But Bob can struggle with anger. And anger management, you know, is a little term we kind of throw out there in the world today, but it's a biblical concept. You need to learn how to manage your anger, and you've got to do it in a righteous way, okay? And so if you feel it coming, what do you need to do? Step aside before the, what? Fire breaks out, right? Okay? So a foolish, prideful, worthless person who's full of wrath and hate. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Though it doesn't fit in there... Um, on it, until you don't have this here, but Proverbs 15, verse 17 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Hatred. When, when you literally hate somebody, you're going to pick a bone with them. And so I honestly had to ask myself that with Marcia growing up, not ask with her, but to myself that as we were growing in the Lord and as we were dealing through it, I mean, clearly we didn't get saved and all of a sudden we became this, whoo, we never fight at all. Uh, my kids will tell you otherwise, right? But I had to learn. Is this because I really had a disdain for my wife? You got to think that one through, husbands, wives. What are you really saying about your husband or your wife at that moment? Or your child? Or your parent? Is there the disdain for them? Is it really a matter of hatred? And again, that's going to go back to pride and all this other kind of stuff. Okay? So, who would bring contentions? Who would do such a thing? Well, a foolish, prideful, worthless, wrathful, hateful person. Is that how you want to be described? But is that how the Holy Spirit is describing you right now? So, we talk about Calvinism. Are you a four-pointer, or a five-pointer, or a two-pointer? And so, I'm going to bring this to the uh, contentious individual. Are you a one-pointer? Are you a two-pointer? Are you a five-point contentious person? It's not a good thing, is it? But we need to think about that. Okay, I'm kind of making a chuckle out of it. But the reality is, this is this was powerful for me as I'm, I'm you know, because I don't want to be described by that. And yet, the reality is, when I act that way, guess what? Whether I like it or not, that's who I am. So, the third question then should be, coming right out of it, is what should I do as a result of that? Okay, so we're going to go quickly through this. First of all, check and correct 
our attitudes. Okay, check and correct our attitudes. So that's Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Literally, the word peacemaker there is a peace doer. A peace doer. One who is doing peace. Not just making peace, so it's not creating peace, because you can't necessarily create peace. Okay? You can't create it. I can't, I can't work it in Marcia at that moment. All I can do is try to do it where? In myself. Okay? I have to do peace. So the word is ereno poyas, which means to do peace. Okay? So ereno is peace, poyas to do. Um, yeah, there we go. So fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Okay? I thought I had those things going automatically. But okay, let's do these other verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 17. Uh, verse 14, not 17. Don't know why I have 17 up there. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 14. The beginning of strife is like the releasing of water. Therefore, stop what? Contention before the quarrel starts. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Proverbs 26, verse 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Hmm. Okay. So I'm, I should be working toward stopping, not toward, or yeah, or even cu- keeping it going further. Proverbs 14, verse 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive or short-spirited, literally, exalts folly. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath or heat, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16, verse 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19, verse 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So, I need to check and correct my attitude, seeking to be then one who's bringing peace, not um, contention. And then secondly, check and correct our our actions, First of all, pursue a healthy discussion. Okay, how do I do that? I seek a private discourse. Okay, Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first one to plead his cause, his reeve, his contention, seems right until his neighbor comes and what? Examines them. That's the talebearer. Okay, they'd like to come and present their cause, present their, 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 their case, right? Proverbs 25, verse 9 and 10. Debate, reeve, your contend, your cause, your case, so debate your case, so reeve, reeve, okay, with your neighbor, and do not disclose your secret to another, lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. That's my verse. That was what I, I did. That was my, 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 my issue. I shouldn't have done that. And that's later you're reading and you're saying, yep, that has Bob written all over it. Okay? Secondly, don't push the conversation. Don't push the conversation. You can stop at any point, and you can what? Revisit it later when everybody is what? Calm, okay? Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as the churning of milk produces butter, and the wringing of the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. That's pretty picturesque, right? I mean, you know, if you churn churn the milk long enough, it's going to what? It's going to become butter. If you twist somebody's nose hard enough, it's going to what? It's going to bleed. Guess what happens if you keep twisting on the on that conversation? You're gonna, it's gonna, it's it's gonna, yeah. The nuclear armament race is gonna be just continually increasing until you know somebody's gonna blow up the entire earth. Okay, pursue peaceful resolutions. Proverbs eighteen verse eighteen: Casting lots con- cause causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. So I just want to share this real quick illustration. I'd love to be able to go into this thing a little bit more, but I don't have time at all. For the kids, seven kids, not necessarily all at one time, but we used to like, I love, dad loves playing games, okay? I love playing games. And so, um, but dad always says, but I'll, since I like playing games, I don't really care what game you pick. Just pick a game, let's play the game, okay? Well, when you got multiple people having an interest in the game and not necessarily are all their interests the same, we came up with a, a way to do this, okay? So if I had three kids, that I was, we were four of us then are going to play something, then they would each get to pick two games. Okay? They picked two games. And we'd write them on the board. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then we'd take a die. And we'd roll the die. Cast a die. 
And whatever number came up, that's the number we would play. If it's a short game, then we could cast a die again and play the, the next game. Now, that got to be where I went because what I used to do originally was I would have them each pick five games. And this is a math thing, so you got to really work with me on this one, okay? And so whichever one that they wanted to play the most got five points and then all the way down to one point. And then we'd calculate the number of points the games would get. And whichever one had the most points, that's the game we would play. By that time we were done with the whole math thing, I didn't have to play a game. No, anyways. But anyways, the point is, I got all that from this verse. That was an application of this verse for me. And that was, it stopped contentions. Lord, you help us pick the game we're going to play. Okay, everybody has their input. And now we're going to let the Lord make the decision. Now you can play that out however you want to play that out with casting the die. We can talk about it later, okay? But I've got a special Urim and Thummim that... Anyways, so... Uh, <laughs> but it's an important point, in other words, to seek a peaceful resolution. And that was just one way that we were able to do that. So, do you have an anger issue? Don't answer it out loud. Did you find yourself being talked about in the Proverbs? Not by Bob, but, but did those verses step on any of your toes? They did for me. So, how do you normally deal with your anger? Do you deal with your anger? Are you willing to confess it to the Lord as sin and to seek the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, that's a big, long statement. But the reality is, it starts with confession, doesn't it? If there's sin in my life, if you are a 1 point, 2 point, 3 point, 4 point, or 5 point contentious person, okay, then the reality is, you got sin. And it needs to be confessed. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Now, what's exciting about this is we're going to end with a song, I Run to Christ. And that's exactly where I need to go when I am struggling in these areas. When I am overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, I need to get out of that situation and I need to run to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are a loving, faithful, generous, long-suffering God who's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, I pray that even now in Christ, that you are continually helping us change the way we think, that we would change the way we think, even about our relationships with others. And Lord, that we would seek to be peacemakers, peace doers, to magnify you in Christ's name. Amen.